Please join me this morning in the reading of Scripture. Please stand if you are able to in reverence to God's Word. This Old Testament reading this morning, Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. Our New Testament reading is Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Please join me now in prayer for the word. Father, we thank you once again for who you are. And as we come before you now in your word, we pray that you would illuminate your word into our hearts and our minds, that your spirit would teach us your ways in every circumstance, Lord, in each circumstance that we are in. Help us, Lord, to live in a way that pleases you. Lord, let us cling to this word. Let us love your word more than anything else, that we may honor and glorify you through our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You have to forgive me first. <clears throat> I've been battling something this whole week, and so my, my throat is out. But uh, as you guys know, Kenny is also um, very ill, and so the show must go on. And so I'm, I'm up here preaching. Today begins Advent. Uh, Advent, of course, is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, which we all know is the day of the, the birth of our Lord. And we reflect on the promise of the coming of our Lord. We share with the saints who thousands of years ago anticipated eagerly the coming of their Messiah. And so we also anticipate eagerly the coming of the Lord on December 25th. However, Advent is also 
an eager anticipation of the return of our Lord. For it is in the return of our Lord that we have our hope, we put our hope in that one day Jesus is coming again, that he will come to judge the world in justice and in righteousness. For the rest of the world, this is just the season after Thanksgiving. So during Thanksgiving, you just eat a lot of food. And then during the season of Christmas, you spend time with family, you shop a lot, you eat even more. Uh, if, you're, if you're planning to take a diet during this time, you probably won't have any luck. It's a time to take vacations, to give presents, and to receive presents, to put up trees and decorations, to talk about Santa Claus with children, to watch Christmas movies and drink hot chocolate around the fireplace. To those who don't believe, this is what Christmas, this is what Advent is about. To them, it's ridiculous and it's even laughable that we would celebrate this season putting our hope in an, in an infant, a baby who was born in, an, in a manger, that that baby would save the sins of mankind. Instead, this season, for those who don't believe, is just a holiday. However, for us, for those who believe in Christ, Advent is not about these things. These things aren't bad, right? Sharing these gifts and putting up the trees and doing these things is not wrong. But that's not what Advent is about. It's not what Christmas is about. Advent is about the expectation, the waiting, the eager hearts that our Lord is coming. We join with the saints who thousands of years ago awaited their Messiah. We join with them today as we eagerly await our Messiah still, who is to come riding on the clouds. In our Old Testament passage, we are reminded of the great promise that God made to the Israelites. Even hundreds of years, thousands of years, he made this, this great covenant with Israel. And we're reminded in our passage in Jeremiah that God is a God who keeps his promise, that God is a God who does not relent. He does not go back on his covenant, but he keeps his promise. He says that he would bring up a righteous branch from the line of David, that this branch would save Judah and Jerusalem and execute justice and righteousness in the land, and that its name would be the Lord is our righteousness. And this is an awesome promise indeed, because if we look at the history of Israel, there's a history, I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament, but if you read the Old Testament, there's a history of Israelites constantly, time and time again, turning back from the Lord. He gives them the commands. He gives them everything that they need, yet they still turn away from him. They still worship and follow the gods, the false gods, the false idols of other nations. They constantly turn away and grieve the Lord. They practice abominable things and they live in wickedness. Just, right, it is just for them to be punished, to be exiled, to be held captive, to be dispersed, to be a people no more. Yet the Lord proclaims that he would one day again gather his people. In his promise, he says that he would one day again restore and save them. 
And in today's passage, he says that he will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The Lord would still, despite the wickedness of Israel, he would still fulfill his promise to them. This is the hope of the Israelites. And this was the hope of the prophets. And this was a hope during the exile, during captivity. When, when everything seemed like it was hopeless, the Israelites had their hope in this promise of the Lord that he would send the Messiah, the branch, the righteous one, to save them and restore them. Likewise, we look forward as a people of God. And our hope is not in the things of this world, but our hope is that our Messiah will one day return, that he will come and he will take us with him. In Luke chapter 2, we read about the purification of Jesus. It was a Jewish custom for every Jewish male to be brought to the temple and purified. And as he is presented in the temple, we meet a man named Simeon. The Bible describes Simeon as a righteous and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. So we see this Israelite, this man Simeon, he's waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. That is where he places his hope. And when he sees Jesus, he proclaims, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And likewise, we meet a woman who comes to the temple at that time. Her name is Anna, and she's 84 years old. And when she sees Jesus, she gives thanks to God and she proclaims to all those around her of the redemption of Jerusalem. These two people, this man Simeon, this woman Anna, who had been waiting all of their lives for this coming Messiah. They had been hoping all of their lives for this coming Messiah. And when they finally saw Jesus, their righteousness, their salvation, they rejoiced. They give thanks to the Lord. They praised God. Imagine how joyful, how thankful they would have been. Imagine being 84 years old. Some of you are 84 years old. It's a long way for me. So imagine that you're 84 years old. And for your entire life, you had been waiting for something. I just want to put this into perspective. Imagine that uh, you had a loved one, maybe uh, a family member, your spouse, and you had been waiting for them for all of your life to come back to you. Maybe they went off somewhere, maybe had, they had to do a mission or something, and they, had, and they finally came back. Imagine how joyful, how thankful you would be. This, this is what Advent is about. It's us remembering that our hope isn't in the things of the world. That for the rest of our lives, all of these things, the things that we accumulate, the accolades that we accumulate, all the things that we have, that they are good things and we are supposed to live being thankful to the Lord for them, but that these things are not our hope, but that we always put our hope in the coming King. In the New Testament 
text today, Jesus explains to his disciples about what is to come and that the Son of Man will come riding on the clouds of heaven. He tells them that the temple will be destroyed. He tells them about all these signs, natural disasters and famine and persecution and all these things that will happen. But then the Son of Man will come with power and great glory in righteousness and justice to judge the earth. Just as God promised this righteous branch to the Israelites, he promises us that he will come again. He says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In other words, he says heaven and earth will dissolve, will pass away. You know, you, you can't depend on these things. But even more than that is my word, my promise that one day the Son of Man will return. So the promise that the Lord will come again is absolutely certain. And Jesus tells us that we must be ready for when he comes. So it's simple. We just sit at home. We wait for Jesus. We just read our Bibles every day. We eat when we need to eat. We pray and we just wait for Jesus to come. We don't, who needs to go to work? Who needs to do anything else? We just wait for Jesus. Well, I think Jesus knew our predicament Because he says in verse 34, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. It would be ideal if we had no worries in life, if we had no responsibilities in life, if we didn't have to take care of our children, if we didn't have to go to work to make money, Right? If we didn't have to put food on the table, if we had no responsibilities, no worries, it'd be easy. we just wait for Jesus. But it's not easy. And of course, it's impossible to just sit around all day and wait for Jesus all the time. And so Jesus tells us to stay awake, to stay awake. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Jesus says, you are in this world, but remember that your hope is in the coming king. Remember to stay awake because that one who you are waiting for, the one who you've been waiting for, the one who you wait for all your life, he's coming soon. So stay awake. How do we stay awake? By abiding in him, by trusting in him, by hoping in him. Just as God promised a savior to the Israelites despite their wickedness, Despite their constant turning away, Jesus promises that he will come in justice and righteousness. And he says, then, on that day, we will stand before the Son of Man. Now, for for those who don't believe in the Son of Man, for those who don't believe in God, that's a scary thing, that's a dreadful thing, that's a fearful thing, that they have to stand before this great and holy and almighty God, this Son of Man. And for us, it would be the same, except that we cling to this promise. We cling to his grace. We cling to his mercy. We cling to his righteousness through faith. And so Jesus says that on that day, the Son of Man will come riding on the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory, and we will stand before the Son of Man. And praise be to God, 
that we will be able to stand before the Son of Man, not because of something that I did, not because of our righteousness, not because of our good works, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us, we will stand before the Son of Man. Think about all the struggles that we have in life. Think about all of the predicaments that we find ourselves in when we find that, man, I'm dealing with all these issues, anger or greed or avarice, when I'm dealing with jealousy or envy. Is it not because we lose sight of our Lord Jesus who is coming that we will stand before our Lord one day? Is it not because, as Jesus says, we, we don't straighten up and raise our heads? That's what he says. He says, straighten up. Look up and raise your heads. Stay awake. He says, because nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the time. But that he will come like a thief in the night. And so, we are compelled and we are encouraged this morning that though we have many, many things to deal with in life, that our hope is in our coming King. When we are immersed in the gospel message every single day, when we raise up our heads, when we truly stay awake in Christ Jesus, we abide in Him. That is when we can overcome and endure all the things of life. If you look in the passage, it says, uh, Jesus says, make sure that all these things don't happen because then you'll become trapped. You'll be, it's like a trap. Once you start thinking about this thing and, and that thing, once you stop looking up into heaven, once you stop putting your hope in the Savior and you start looking down on this earth and you start looking at the things of the world, he says, it's like a trap. And he says, don't get trapped. Instead, believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, who is our Savior, and who is Emmanuel. He is with us. He is our King, and for those who truly love him, he is the one who we wait for every moment, every day. We put our hope in him, and by the grace of God, every day, through the gospel, we look up, we raise our heads, and we stay awake. In his commentary, Robert Stein, he says of staying awake, this involves not so much having a correct chronological chart of the end events or physically looking and searching for the Son of Man's return, but rather being prepared at all times for his coming. It involves a life of faithful perseverance made possible through prayer. As a result, that day will not surprise them as a thief. Staying awake and being alert is a way of living. It's about our posture before the Lord each day. It's about our heart and our mind before the Lord each day. We do not wait in fear or dread. We don't anticipate the Lord uh, feeling like in fear we're going to be caught doing something when he comes. But because of the gospel, because of his grace, we immerse ourselves, knowing that we're not perfect, knowing that we are still sinful, 
but putting our faith and our trust in him because we know that we have been saved and that he will come. So those who have been touched by the grace of God will constantly look in his grace for his return. Let us not be like the disciples who on the day before our Lord was crucified went to Gethsemane with the Lord. And in the garden, Jesus comes and he he goes to pray and he tells his disciple what? Stay awake and pray. And they fall asleep. So after he prays, he comes back to them and what does he say? He says, stay awake and be prayerful. And that is our calling as Christians, to stay awake and be prayerful. These disciples, though they fell asleep before the Lord's crucifixion, after his resurrection, after his ascension, after they understood who the Lord really was, after they were immersed in his grace, they didn't fall asleep anymore, but they were awake. They were constantly preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the Lord. They were constantly anticipating eagerly the returning of their king, of their Lord Jesus. They didn't fall asleep anymore. And so let us join them for those who have been touched by the grace of God, for those who know the righteousness, the grace, right, the mercy that has been extended to us, just as the disciples realized this and they never fell asleep. Let us also stay awake and fall asleep no more. Let us live our lives aligned in faith to Christ. Let us put our hope in him and truly believe that he is coming. You know, if we truly believe that he is coming, then our posture, our attitude, our mindset, our way of living will change each day. We won't be indifferent about sin. We won't just live our lives for ourselves, but because we believe that he is coming, we will live in such a way. And so this morning, as we hear the word of God, as we approach the Lord's table, let us be reminded that we are able to do all of these things, not because of our righteousness, not because of our works, but we are able to do all these things because of the righteousness that has been given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be reminded once again of his death on the cross, his body torn for us, and his his blood that he bled for us. And let us come in faith to the table of the Lord, knowing that one day he will come riding on the clouds of heaven in great power and great glory. Amen.